Hey there, it's Ron. This year is wrapping up and we only have one show left, Wednesday, December 20th in Denver. Final theme of 2017 will be Chance. Also, we've just announced our new themes for 2018 and we're really excited for the year ahead, so please be sure to check out that list on our website. Next Storyteller. All right, next Storyteller. It's Next Storyteller. Our Next Storyteller. Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. Today's story comes from Denver writer and comedian Byron Graham. He told this story about his brother locking him in a cabinet, which he describes as about the size of a child's coffin, on October 18th, 2017 at Bumpport Theater in Denver, Colorado. The theme of the evening was In the Dark. Keep it going for Aaron, everybody. All right. Uh, I want to begin this story by saying that my brother Kenneth is not a sociopath, you guys. Not a sociopath. Good dude these days. Loving husband. Wonderful doting father. He makes his own root beer. Yeah, his own root beer. So this is a story about how he locked me in a cabinet for four hours when I was a kid. Yeah, this is some Lord of the Flies shit. Get ready. Uh, (laughs) So Kenneth and I fought all the time. And I have five brothers, so I know that Nothing good happens when boys gather in groups. That's bad. It's always bad. But Kenneth and I, closest in age, and we fought particularly hard. I hated him because he was good at everything, and I was so easy to torment, you guys. Just so easy to pick on. Pudgy, bookish, bad teeth, worse eyesight. Just easy, you know, just a target. Also, a nerd with pride, you're just asking for it at that point. Insisting on my own nerdy dignity, that, that, that was, I was asking for it. Uh, and I was a sensitive kid, too. I was real freaked out about uh, endangered species, right? Acid rain. I was learning about the environment at school, or as my dad called it, being indoctrinated by leftists. Uh, <laughs> And so, like, one of the possessions that I had that I cherished the most, cherished the most, uh, and possession is an abstract concept in a household with five boys, Uh, but I had a panda from the World Wildlife Fund, right? The WWF. And my brother thought it was hilarious to practice wrestling moves on it. (laughs) And because I was just such a sensitive little twerp, I hated it. I hated it when he did, I'd be like, how dare you suplex the noble panda? There are fewer than 2,000 left in the wild. Also, I was the sort of kid who knew when to say fewer. I deserved every swirly I got. But it was rough, you guys. There was uh, the summer of 1995. All six of us had to go to the hospital. (laughs) This wasn't mere roughhousing. We were out for blood. We were gunning for each other. My mom was on a first-name basis with the nursing staff at St. Francis Hospital. It was, you know, I think they still Facebook today. She's a gregarious woman, my mom. Um, So, uh, my brother and uh, a couple of his friends are over. That was another thing that made me easy to bully, is that I would refuse to back down from any dare. You dare me to do something, and I will fucking do it stubbornly. And I would usually made a big idiot of myself doing it, to the delight of my brother and fellow bullies. Uh, so one day we had this uh, 
little cabinet beneath the TV in our den. And it was a big house where there's like the other TV room and no one would hear you. Uh, that's important to note later. <laughs> uh, so we, you know, he's like, you go in there and stay in there as long as you can without making a sound. And I don't know even what he promised me. I just agreed to do it like an idiot. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So we pull out like a Tupperware container full of Care Bears. Uh, you know, those big v uh, Disney VHS boxes that are half styrofoam. We pull those out of there. And we create a little space for me, and I crawl in, you guys. And I bring my panda friend in there. And by the way, I didn't name the panda. I, I don't know. I guess I thought it was childish to name a panda, but not to carry it with me everywhere. <laughs> I don't know why. So I crawl in there. I'm, I'm going to prove my goddamn point. I'm going to stay in there. I'm not going to make a single sound. And I'm quiet. It's dark in there, save for... Yeah, this is a very literal dark place, by the way. Uh, and save for a little sliver of light between the cracks of the doors, I can't see anything. And I don't hear anything outside except for, like, the occasional stifled giggle between my brother and his friends. And by the way, they're grown men now. I shouldn't say their names. So it's Patrick Deeney and Chris Cadigan. That's C-A-D-I-G-A-N. Colorado Springs, Colorado. Okay. <laughs> and I don't, I, I have no idea how much time has gone by, but I'm making my point. And then eventually, I don't hear anything out there anymore. And I wonder if they're still in the room. And I start thinking of this whole litany of things that I wish I'd done before <laughs> agreeing to this confinement. Like, would it have killed me to bring a Capri Sun in here? Could a bathroom break beforehand, something. This panda is taking up so much goddamn room. And so uh, I ascertained that like, maybe they're not out there anymore. Maybe. So I try to open the cabinet door, and it's stuck. I try again, stuck. And I can just sort of barely, you know, sneak my fingers through the crack. And I, I feel up, and I, I, there's like a chain. The links of a chain. And it's handcuffs. You guys see it? My brother has put handcuffs on either handle of the cabinet door and locked me in. And he's not in the room anymore. <laughs> and by the way, you guys, these are not police issue handcuffs. I want to clear that up. These are, you know, from a dollar store sheriff's costume. They're plastic. They are. Uh, but, you know, it's an, I, I don't know if it's the fulcrum of where they are or I was just a little weakling. I cannot get out. <laughs> Can't get out. Uh, and and uh, for a second, though, I think, okay, well played, Kenneth. Well played. I'm still not going to make any fucking noise. <laughs> not going to do it. I'm not going to give you that satisfaction. So I wait. And I definitely don't hear them out there anymore. I have no idea where they are. But I'm not going to make any noise. That's the one sliver of pride I have left. I'm not going to make any noise. So I, I shift the panda into a soda pillow. Big improvement. Big improvement. <laughs> I did not cuddle the thing ever again after this, I don't think. And I wait. And nothing. Nothing happens. The little sliver of light between the cabinet just keeps getting dimmer and dimmer. 
And I'm like, okay, fuck it. I have to, I have to shout out. I have to admit defeat. And so I do it. I'm like, hey, let me out. Nothing. Seriously, this is not funny anymore. Let me out. Nothing. And then I start really freaking out. And I, you know, shouts give way to shrieks. I am screaming to get out of there. I'm hoping anybody in my house can hear me, but no one does. Shrieks give way to sobs, and eventually panic becomes a sort of pathetic acceptance, right? Like, my mom is going to be so mad when they find my skeleton in here. (laughs) No Nintendo for a year, you rat fuck. That's what happens. So I, I start plotting an elaborate revenge, which I got, by the way. Quick aside, I filled a water balloon with pee and <laughs> snuck it into his pillowcase. <laughs> Splash, yeah. How you like that? <laughs> but I didn't have time to do that now. I just had to give up. I just start to doze off. And then within a few, I have, I have no idea how much time has gone by. He told me later it was about four hours. Kenneth gets home. By the way, he had just gone to his friend's, pa- friend's house. Just assumed that my mom would find me and let me out. Or that I'd be able to break the plastic handcuffs. But the whole point I was trying to prove was fucking moot 15 minutes in. No one was there. I was being silent to prove a point to no one. And so I, you know, I wake up, the room floods with light, or the, you know, this. And by the way, I don't know the dimensions of it. Like I, I just know that it wasn't big enough for me to sit up all the way, or to fully extend my legs. If I had to guess, I'd say it was about the size of a child's coffin. So, uh, not a fun place to be for four hours. So yeah, he opens the door, and his face is ashen. And it scrunches up, and he immediately starts crying and begging for my forgiveness. And so I kick him right in the nuts. Right. <laughs> right in the balls. All right, you guys, thank you so much. I've been Byron Graham. Byron Graham, everyone. The Narrators is produced by Robert Rutherford, Mary Robertson, Aaron Rollman, and me, Ron Doyle. Our assistant producer is Sydney Crane. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. And our founder and executive producer is Andrew Orvidal. A very special thanks to our amazing sponsors, Illegal Pete's, Sexy Pizza, From the Hip Photo, and Renegade Brewing Company. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And join us at one of our live monthly shows, which take place every second Tuesday of the month at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego, California, and every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. Both shows start at 8 p.m. and are always free to attend. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter, and for past episodes, photos from our live shows, and a list of our upcoming events and themes, please visit thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>